Hey there, and welcome. I'm your host, Regina Topolson, registered dietitian, plant-based foodie, amateur athlete, mom of teenage boys, and one lucky girl, cancer survivor, and host of the Life Well Lived podcast. Living through cancer seemed like the hard part until I had to learn how to live after. We all want to feel healthy and safe and know that our life has meaning and purpose. If you're a patient, survivor, or caretaker, this is the place to find hope and inspiration through life's great disruptor and learn to live more fully today. Today on the podcast, I talk with Gail Nussbaum, a woman using her experience as a cancer survivor to better the lives of her co-workers and children facing cancer as well. Her pay-it-forward philosophy has allowed her to work with one dreamy celebrity doctor. Can you guess who it is? Gail, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here, Regina. So... First of all, well, tell me the difference between a pharmaceutical company and a biotech company. So biotech are biologic drugs uh, compared to pharmaceutical drugs. So biologic drugs are made from human molecules. So uh, my company, Amgen, actually does a lot of oncology products, uh, both supportive care, solid tumor, and also uh, hematology for blood cancers. For example, I work on the leukemia side. And uh, I worked for many years in pharmaceuticals, so that would be more synthetic drugs, pills, or creams, and things like that. So um, I have an infusion now. I used to work at, uh, in an area of Amgen that was a biotech product for Embril for um, psoriasis and rheumatoid arthritis. So, And how apropos that you work specifically with cancer drugs, because tell me what it was like to find out that you had cancer. So it was really um, interesting because I did not have cancer on my radar. And actually at that point in my career, even though Amgen is a a large oncology company, I was actually working in a different division that wasn't related to oncology. And I always considered myself the master of master planning and my whole life was planned out. I definitely didn't have cancer on my outlook calendar, my agenda, my busy life. And, you know, overnight you watch your life change when you hear these words and you know, I just remember thinking, I don't, I don't have time for this. And I don't have a family history. So I, I didn't expect something like this to happen. And you kind of go into that planning mode, the adrenaline of what can I do? And it, it's a difficult time. But so I remember one of the best advice I got was from actually a coworker of mine that the day I was diagnosed, he said, positive attitude will play in a really important part of your journey. And I truly believe that. I mean, obviously, we we don't know our destinies, but I think having a positive attitude and keeping it, and no matter what I went through, through the journey, I always tried to keep Jonathan's words in mind of what he said to me about that positive attitude, and I would work hard to never let myself get down, and if I did, I would try and build myself back up. Yeah, that attitude is amazing. Yeah. It's such a big part of it, because there are hard parts of the journey, right? Yes, very hard, and it's you know, you have your moments. I remember when they told me I had to go through chemo and I was going to lose all my hair and telling my oncologist, you don't understand, you know, I can't lose my hair and obviously wasn't thinking straight. And I realized that, you know, this is the journey that you have to take to get to the destiny of 
of where you want to be and, and be healthy and um, whatever I have to do to get there. And if that means losing my hair and my eyelashes and eyebrows that, you know, I'll just find a great wig. <laughs> but thankfully it's all journey. come back. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah. And thank God we can laugh about it now. You have a big anniversary coming up. Yes. Thank you, Regina. So this May 7th, uh, 2020 will mark 10 years cancer-free. My last chemo treatment was on May 7th of 2010. Congratulations. Thank you. And, and so 10 years is really a big deal. If I, I look back at some of the hard times, and, and I counsel and support a lot of people going through their cancer journey, and I always say, I wish I had a fast-forward button for you that you could fast-forward, because I know when I was going through my journey and, and all the chemos and surgeries, and people going through this, you never think, you know, what's it going to be like one year, two years, three years out? Because you can't picture anything beyond what you're in. But, you know, I look back on that time and I think, wow, it's going to be 10 years since I was going through all that in my life. And it's it's a nice anniversary to celebrate. Mm. Did you work the entire time through all of your treatments and everything? Yeah, I did. It's, it's funny you say that because people thought I was kind of crazy working full time. And I did it a lot to give me normalcy. And that sounds funny, but I needed to have that routine. And so I would have my chemos on Friday afternoon. I would take the last appointment of the day and often it was a few hours, but I would work all week and I would come home on Friday around noon. I would take off my wigs as I'll dressed up for work in my suit and then put on, you know, workout clothes and my little beanie hat with my wig off and a friend would pick me up and we'd go uh, to the cancer center. and. I felt and you know that it was important and and I wasn't always my best. I wasn't like, you know, employee of the year probably obviously. But a lot of my, you know, customers had a lot of compassion for what I was doing trying to work full time. I do have to say I don't think that's the choice for everybody. I mean, I was lucky I was in a situation where I didn't have kids or a family I was responsible for so I could focus on my health and, and then working. Um and I think everybody's individual, but for me it was giving me normalcy at that time. That's a big thing to maintain yeah. normalcy. Right. When you can't control anything else in your life, if I could control going to work and, and doing what I could, and every day wasn't great. I know Monday morning I was very sick, and if I just had a couple appointments, that would be great. It wasn't you know, a typical day, but it gave me a reason to wake up Monday morning because after chemo, I often spent the weekend very ill in bed. Do you feel like your work was supportive? Yes, I, I feel very fortunate to work for Amgen. As I said, even though I was on the inflammation side, it is an oncology company. Um, that said, I did come through my journey and, and bring to Amgen's attention that I felt they could do more for their employees that are going through the cancer journey. And since that time, I have created an oncology resource guide for our employees and staff members at Amgen that everybody uses that goes through how do you treat a team member that's going through a cancer journey? How do you navigate insurance? Um, what are the resources? And it's been very well received because even though we're an oncology company and we're helping out our customers and the patients, I felt our, as an employer, our own employees often didn't have the resources. And I, and I think every company out there could probably do a better job of having something like I designed at Amgen, which is this oncology resource guide that not only an employee can go to, but also their manager to make sure that things are a smooth journey. That's really great because I think most companies don't have that. And most people get lost when they hear those crazy three words. Right. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I did this and I actually dedicated it to the employees 
uh, at Amgen that were going through their cancer journey because once I went through it, I found that people started to reach out to me for assistance and help and questions, you know, coworkers and friends of coworkers at the company. And after talking to all these people, I'm like, they're all asking me the same questions. How do you find a case manager? How do you work with a teammate? I'd have managers calling me saying, you know, one of my people that works for me has cancer and no one knows what to say to them. So I actually came up with a guide of things to say and things not to say. And it's solely based on what I had in my own cancer battle, but what I was hearing from the people I worked with that were going through this journey. Like, I wish my teammate would have known this and to say this or not to say this. And I created the whole guide based on that. And it's been really important because it's something that people can have when they, you know, hear those words, like you said. When people found out that you had cancer, I know it's very common for people to come up and start saying, I'm so sorry. How did you receive that? And was there something that you would have preferred to hear instead? It's funny because I do a lot of speaking for different organizations. And one of the things I talk about is, what do you say to somebody going through cancer? And, and often the other thing I would hear a lot is, oh, if you need anything, let me know. And everybody means well when they say the words, if you need something, just let me know. And I, I always speak about this when I give talks is that it's really important to just do something like stopping by with their favorite ice cream flavor or saying, hey, I'll take your dog for a walk or let me do some chores for you or pick up your kids. Instead of waiting for them to say something, you know, just say, hey, I'm going to stop by with dinner. And, you know, because people often don't want to ask for help. You don't want to feel like you need somebody to help you. And it's also people don't usually say, oh, yeah, would you do this and this? When they say, oh, let me know if you need anything, it's kind of one of those comments people mean well. So just taking the time. The other thing that I love getting and I've done for other cancer patients is I love getting cards in the mail. We've become a society where people text, hey, how you feeling, Gail? And it's great, don't get me wrong, or sending an email, which then you feel like you have to respond to the email. I still remember getting those on the weekend at my chemo. I'm like, I can barely wake up, no less. Send you an email back. But getting a card in the mail, I really think... You know, I, I probably own, own stock in Papyrus or, or Hallmark because it's, those cards are so important to get a card in the mail because often we don't see those nice, refreshing notes anymore. And so um, I try and send people a card, and, and I did tell people I really love cards. I had family members reach out, and when people were asking, what do I need, they'd say, you know, Gail really likes cards. And I actually kept a whole basket full of those cards I received, and, and years later I went back through them and read many of the notes people wrote. And I think that's important because people don't know what to say, just as you said. You know what? That's true. I actually saved my cards as well. And Mm -hmm. I have since even bought myself cards at every anniversary. And um, I hang them up on my wall. Hallmark, come back. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening, come back. (laughs) Yeah, I think cards are, I love shopping for cards and I love getting cards. I think they're really important. You had the opportunity to meet a very special celebrity through your work with cancer, cancer, right? So um, Patrick Dempsey uh, has been a spokesperson for Amgen. And I wasn't even really aware of it because, as I said, now I work on the leukemia side in oncology. But at that time, I was in inflammation. And I started getting very involved in Amgen and and, uh, helping them help their employees that have cancer. And so what happened was I came up with this idea of a resource day 
for our employees, where people would come out, grab lunch, listen to some speakers, listen to a band, and go from station to station and get some materials and brochures. And I had the opportunity to speak at this event that I created and, and helped come up with with a, a team of people who are amazing at Ampton that worked with me. And Patrick Dempsey and I both spoke on stage, him as a spokesperson and myself as a cancer survivor and, and somebody who helped to create this idea and the event. And, and since then, he and I have, have spoken other times on stage through Amgen and all the money that he gets for being a spokesperson through Amgen, he actually gives back and puts towards cancer research in the Dempsey Cancer Center in, in Maine. And it was really nice to meet somebody that you see up on, you know, Grey's Anatomy and whatever else he's doing now, but to see that down to earth and that whole, um, just really making a difference that he wants to do and, and help people. How was that to it work was, with him? It was great. He's, as I remember getting off the stage and, you know, him reaching out to help me off the stage. And it was like, hey, you know, he really cares. He doesn't <laughs> want me to trip. <laughs> Before my cancer journey, I was not a comfortable public speaker. It would be right up there with with all those other p- things that people hate to do. and Like jumping out of airplanes right. at 30,000 feet. <laughs> One of those things. And I think you one like myself who wants to share their message, something that I heard early on was don't hide your cancer journey. It's not something for you to put away in your pocket and hide. It's something that you can use as a gift to help other people. And I try and take those words to heart and do things in my life that I can help other people. So whether that's speaking or volunteering or helping friends or coworkers, if I make sure that what I went through was not in vain and that I can make a difference in others' lives, that makes me feel good to be able to pay it forward. I really love that because I felt the same way. I've, when I got diagnosed, I felt like this can't be for nothing. This right. can't be just for to torture me. There's got to be a bigger reason for mm-hmm. this to have happened. Yes. And literally two weeks later, a friend called me up and, and told me that she had been diagnosed as well. So. Wow. So I, I, I believe in that. I believe yes, that that is true, that we need to use what we've gone through to help others. So that's Yes, really and I great. think everybody does it in different ways. I hear stories all the time, what people do to pay it for, but it, anybody who can make a difference and certainly help others going through the journey, I think it's really important. Speaking of helping others going through the journey, you created a really sweet but amazing event that is 10 years in the making? Yes, so I um, actually, this will be my 10-year anniversary, my eight years doing the event. Okay. Um, My first uh, cancer-free anniversary, I actually took a trip. I went to Greece, and my, I believe it was my second year, I decided that I wanted to do something to pay it forward. And I remember going through a traumatic event in my life. I was actually in a, it's a long story, but a bank robbery uh, many years ago and I was having trouble sleeping and I thought, oh, if I have a teddy bear or stuffed animal, that will help. And it brought a memory. I'm like, what if I can give a teddy bear to a child fighting cancer? And what started as a, a small event eight years ago with 40, 45 of my friends where I just ran it out, build a bear and bought people's bear and asked them to spend their money dressing the bear and I provided them with breakfast um, and then delivered the bears. It has now turned into a major event where I have 200, 300 people come every year. It's always the week of my cancer-free anniversary 
And I give to different organizations, including Brent's Place and Ronald McDonald House, and organizations that have kids with cancer and different illnesses. And so I look back on my first event where I just started with some friends and let's do this. And now, you know, coworkers and friends and my customers and friends of friends and colleagues, they all come out for this huge event. And the first time I did it, it was actually going to be, this sounds funny, but a one-time thing. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. I'll just get some bears and, and give it to a great organization to help kids. And I remember leaving the organization and I brought, you know, like 40, 50 bears teddy bears to them that had all been dressed up, uh, specially made. And they said, we'll see you next year. And I'm thinking, wow, okay, I'll be back next year. And I made the decision at the time, well, why don't I add more organizations? And so it's gotten larger and larger and the demand gets larger and larger. And and now it's cool because I have people who can virtually make a bear. And it's kind of cool because they can go online and design a bear and it can be built for them that day. And and since, so my demand gets higher for the bears, but I also have more and more support. Um, and I do now this, you know, big brunch and coffee bar and I get a lot of support and it's a really special occasion. So it's my way of, of throwing a party, but it's not a party for me. It's a party to pay it forward and to remind people that we can help others. And it's a beautiful event. Thank you, Regina. And you, I have to say, you are such an important part of it. You make more bears than anybody else. Most people come and make one special bear. Not Regina, she comes and makes five (laughs) five bears, all specially made, six bears. I always have a picture of you holding all these bears, and and you also come and help deliver. We deliver these bears, and I actually throw parties, whether it's an ice cream social or or, um, a pizza party or different things at organizations, so it's not just the bears, and and you're always there to help touch these kids and, and talk to their families. And as a cancer survivor yourself, not only do you know what they're going through, but you're able to talk to those parents and, and relate and, and help them through these difficult times. And and so it's not only special when we make the bears, but I, I always say, I don't know who's more touched the kids getting the bears are or those us. who make it and yeah. distribute these bears because it's so impactful. Yeah. And it is. It's impactful to me too. I think those are like those two days, the days when we make the bears and the days when we deliver the bears, I would say that they're kind of like two highlights out of the year. You know, like I always know that I'm going to be making the bears one day and then delivering the bears another day. So it's very cool. And and we actually do that all week. And I know you come to Brent's place, which is very close to my heart because those kids are going through transplants. You see these families and um, I've actually volunteer now at Brent's Place and do a lot of things, whether it's cooking meals uh, in between the event or doing arts and crafts, because I believe so much in that organization and, and the work that they do. Yeah. So, And I, I love seeing the looks on the, the patients and their families' faces, because they come down and they're kind of kind of scared a little bit. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what they're walking into. And then they see all these volunteers and they see all these bears and the kids yes. get their specific one they that they've asked ask for. for. And a, all a of a sudden, you know, this, this look of unknowing and uncertainty turns into a smile. And right. yeah, it's, it's great to see that. And you're right. Be, being able to give a child, you know, whether it's Pokemon or... You know, we get names, I get the first name of a child, their age, and their interests. That might be Susie, and she's eight, and she likes purple and princesses. And the fact that it's not just any bear they get, they get a bear that was, as you said, Regina, especially made for them. And and I have made little bear takes up, and it actually says, this bear was made for you by love and care by, 
and then you know the people that come to the event sign their name so that child knows somebody really took the time to make this with love and care for them it's really developed over the years the event because it's it's really showed that we can really pay it forward and make a difference in so many ways where did you find humor in your cancer journey what's funny now i laugh when i have a bad hair day that a bad hair day is no better than a no hair day. I say that all the time. <laughs> That's so funny. I always tried to look that, that things could be worse. And as hard a time as I went through with multiple surgeries and chemo, I would go once a month into the wig shop where I'd gotten my wigs, Hannah's, Hannah's um, designs, and I would get a scalp massage, which when you're bald, is really great to get a scalp massage with oils and stuff. And then I'd have my wig blown out. So I'd have it all nice and blown out and stuff and one day I was there and there was a girl also having her her wig blown out and she asked me what I had and I explained that I was going through chemo and had cancer and this girl she's probably in her 30s 20s I'm had alopecia areata and Mm. I remember thinking to myself you know months from now even though I was bald at the time my hair will grow back but this person you know anybody struggling with alopecia areata there is no cure in that she will never have that feeling of her hair growing back. And so we look at the times we go through and things could be worse. You know what I mean? And, and she had a great humor about her. I have more humor now than I probably had at the time. Um, I remember my dad who has uh, grown up some of his growing up years in, in England and in London, uh, believes in that stiff upper lip. And I always used to joke that uh, he would never let me get sad or really cry and I remember one time being in tears on the phone my parents live in Seattle and he'd be like are you done crying and I'm like well no no I'm not done crying but then I was like (laughs) well I guess I am you know and so I never really cried much because I always tried to look at the positive and the humor and I used to come to the, the chemo ward where I was getting my treatments and bring board games and squeezy balls and before I took my own chair because I thought, like we talked about earlier, if you can make it a positive experience mm-hmm. and look at the positives. How did nutrition and lifestyle play a role in your recovery and healing? So I always considered myself healthy and nutrition, would work out and do my Pilates. And I liked kickboxing at the time and, and did things when this happened. I was into nutrition and health. I feel like a little bit during my cancer journey, and I look back and I would have done this different. I didn't work out as much. I was tired. I was working. I would have probably reeled back the working some and, and taken better care of myself. I think on health, I tried to stay healthy and I look back now and now I'm healthy again. But I also remember going through a phase where I'm like, I have cancer. And if I want to eat the mac and cheese or the chocolate cake, which I never would have eaten before, eaten after. And, you know, I mean, obviously occasionally I have something, but I was like, I deserve it. Like I'm going through a hard time. So it was nutrition has always been important to me, but I, I'll be honest, I, I do remember a small time in there, especially during the chemo treatments. If something tastes good, maybe I won't have the salad that I normally would have eaten because just a pasta sounds better. I remember after my cancer, getting myself you know, back on track to healthy eating, slowly working out again. And it was tough because coming back from rounds of chemo, it takes a while to get that strength. It really took a lot out of me and I had to slowly start back with my exercise plan and get back on track and looking back I look at both sides I'm, I'm 
happy I allowed myself mac and cheese sometimes, but I also wish I would have continued that focus on nutrition. And I'm glad that, you know, after getting through all that, that I came back to that because nutrition is such an important part of the cancer journey, both during um, and after. Yeah. So I I get that helping people and and helping people move forward through this process is a big part of your life. But what personally for you means a life well lived? I would say a life well lived is touching lives one life at a time and paying it forward can make a difference and that I've made a difference. And if I've touched or changed even one person's life, and hopefully I've had a lot more than one person, that to me is a life well lived because I've taken something that's happened to me and I've been able to turn it into a positive. I think anytime we can make a difference in somebody else's life and and think beyond our own scope of things, then that's a life well lived for me. Thank you. And I so appreciate this uh, opportunity to speak with you today. Well, thank you, Regina. And I know you've inspired myself and so many others as well with all the work you've done. And, And it's nice to see as cancer survivors, we can make an impact. So thank you. This was such a great episode. If you'd like to pay it forward through Gail's Build-A-Bear event, you can find more information and links in the show notes. Otherwise, I hope you were inspired to find a way to pay it forward in your own way. I hope you've laughed. I hope you've learned. I send you healing strength, and I'm grateful for you. You've been listening to the Life Well Lived podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with your friends so they can benefit too. Check out the show notes so you can connect with me on social media. Peace and love. Until next time.